0: laughing bill hyde by rex beach part two this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by michelle fry baton rouge louisiana berg and slevin had a habit of riding into town on saturday nights and the next time they left the claim, Bill pleaded a jumping toothache and set out afoot for medical attention. It was late when he arrived at Nome. Nevertheless, a diligent search of the front street saloons failed to locate either man. He was still looking for them when they came riding in. With their delayed arrival, Bill's apprehensions vanished, as likewise did his imaginary toothache. He had feared they were in the habit of bringing the gold to Nome, there, perhaps to bank it with some friend but now he knew that they were too cautious for that and preferred instead to cash it somewhere in the hills this simplified matters immensely so bill looked up his little doctor for a social visit thomas was in his office he greeted bill warmly say pill rolling must be brisk to keep you on the job till midnight the latter began Business is rotten, exclaimed the physician, and it's a rotten business. Nobody's sick? That's tough. Open a can of typhoid germs and I'll put them in the well. Anything to stir up a little trade. I've just balanced my books and I've just heard from Alice. Do the books balance? Oh, perfectly. Nothing equals nothing. It's a perfect equilibrium. Alice wants me to come home and start all over, and I'm tempted to do so. Ain't going to throw up your tail, are you? I can't get along without her, Thomas was plainly in the depths. He turned away and stared moodily out into the dim-lit street. It was midnight, but already the days were shortening. Already, there was an hour or two of dusk between the evening and the morning light. Of course, you can't get along without her. The ex- bandit agreed. I seen that when I looked at her picture. Why don't you bring her in? Bring her in here. Thomas faced about quickly. hump, not much. Well, this ain't no Dolls Village, that's a fact. It's full of wicked men, and the woman ain't worth bragging over. Suppose we go out and marry her? We? Thomas smiled for the first time. Sure, I'll stick to the bitter finish. I'm broke, Bill. Pshaw, now. Don't let that worry you. I got money. You? The doctor was surprised. Where did you get it? well i got it that's the main thing it was uh left to me honestly what do you mean honestly how much i don't know exactly you see i ain't got it actually in my mitt oh but i'll have it all right toe it's just waiting for me to close down on it i reckon there must be a thousand gold buzzards in the stack maybe more it's all yours thanks said the physician unimpressed look me in the eye bill spoke earnestly twenty thousand iron men ain't so bad i'll buy a lot of dolls clothes we can have a big party i ain't kidding then reading amused incredulity in his friend's face he demanded how you know i ain't got a rich uncle that raised me from a colt and that broke his heart at me running away and turning out wild and has had his lawyers gunning for me ever since he knew i was getting old and going to croak how you know that eh i don't know-i don't know anything about you, Bill. That's one of the most interesting features of our friendship. Well, pay a little attention to me. Now then, I figure it like this-I got lungs like a grasshopper, and the money won't do me no good, so I'll stake you and Miss Alice to it. Dr. Thomas eyed the speaker curiously. I believe you would, said he after a moment. Would I? Say, have you ever seen a feather bed tied up with a rope? You sit tight, and I'll slip you a roll just that size. Of course, you know I wouldn't take it. Why not? It's more likely to get me into evil company or give me some bad habit, and I'll gargle off before I've had a chance to spend it. I ain't strong. I'll earn what I get, Billy. All right, if you feel like that, I'll bet it for you on a crap game, and you can take the winnings. Nothing doing. I want honest money money that i can look in the face mr hyde was out of patience all oh, money's honest after you get it he cried it's getting it that draws blood i never knew a silver bird to fly off a dollar and scratch a guy did you i want to make money that's why i came up to this godforsaken place but when your uncle's draft arrives you cash it ain't you a champagne bone dome muttered bill such an attitude seemed to him both senseless and quixotic for he had never attached the least sentiment to money money was an elemental necessity therefore he looked upon it with practical unromantic eyes and helped himself to it as he helped himself to such elemental necessities as air or water most of life's necessaries had fallen into monopolistic hands and were used to wring tribute from unfortunate mortals who had arrived too late to share in the graft as witness, for instance, Standard Oil. So ran Bill's reasoning when he took the trouble to reason at all. Men had established arbitrary rules to govern their forays upon one another's property, to be sure. But under cover of these artificial laws they stole merrily and got away with it. Eagles did not scruple to steal from one another. Horses ate one another's fodder. Why human beings should not do likewise had always puzzled Mr. Hyde the basic principle held good in both cases it seemed to him and dr thomas's refusal to share in the coming legacy struck him as silly it was the result of a warped and unsound philosophy but argue as he would he could not shake his friend's opinion of the matter one evening not long after his visit to town bill's toothache returned again to plague him he raised groans and hoarse profanities and then while the crew was still at supper he abandoned his work to set out in search of relief but he did not go to Nome. once out of sight of the mine he doubled back and came out behind the superintendent's cabin a moment later he was stretched out in the narrow dark space beneath blackjack's bunk dust irritated bill's lungs therefore he had carefully swept out the place that morning likewise he had thoughtfully provided himself with a cotton comforter as protection to his bones he had no intention of permitting himself to be taken at a disadvantage and knowing full well the painful consequences of discovery he opened his bone-handled pocket-knife and tested its keen edge with his thumb in the interests of peace and good fellowship however he hoped he could go through the night without coughing slevin was the first to return from supper he went directly to his bunk drew a bottle of whiskey from beneath his pillow poured himself a drink, and replaced the bottle. When Berg entered, he went through a similar procedure, after which a fire was built, the men kicked off their boots, lit their pipes, and stretched out upon their beds. I've been thinking it over, the superintendent began, and you can't do it. Why not? queried Slevin. I told his nibs I was sick of the grub. Foremen don't quit good jobs on account of the grub. You've got to stick till fall, then we'll both go. We'll strike the old man for a raise. Huh, he'll let us go quick enough when we do that. Let's strike him now. I'm through. Nothing stirring, Berg firmly declared. We'll play out the string. I'm taking no chances. Hell, ain't we taking a chance every day we stay here? I'm getting so I don't sleep. I got enough to do me. I ain't a hog. I got a bully corner all picked out, Jack best corner in seattle for a gin mill it'll wait corners don't get up and move no i won't hold the bag for you or for nobody declared the former speaker we'll go through arm in arm once we're away clean you can do what you like me for the argentine and ten thousand acres of longhorns you better forget that corner some night you'll get stewed and spill the beans who me slevin laughed in disdain that chance there was a long silence during which the only sound was the bubbling of a pipe i suppose i'll have to stick if you say so denny agreed finally but i'm fed up i'm getting jumpy i got a hunch the cash ain't safe i feel like something was going to happen mr slevin's premonition under the circumstances was almost uncanny it gave startling proof of his susceptibility to outside influences you are rickety blackjack told him why there ain't any danger nobody goes up there laughing bill held his breath missing not a word if they did we'd pick em up with the glasses it's open country and we'd get em back before they got down i suppose so but the nights are gettin' dark nobody's out at night either you boob i ain't losing any slumber over that and i ain't gonna lose any about your quitting ahead of me that don't trouble me none berg yawned and changed the subject half an hour later he rose languidly undressed and rolled into his bed slevin followed suit shortly after and the rapidity with which both men fell asleep spoke volumes for the elasticity of the human conscience now laughing bill had come prepared to spend the night but his throat tickled and he had a distressing habit of snoring therefore he deemed it the part of caution to depart before he dropped off into the land of dreams he effected the maneuver noiselessly. Bill lingered at the spring hole on the following morning and lost himself in an attentive study of the surrounding scenery. It was fairly impressive scenery, and he had a keen appreciation of nature's beauty, but Blackjack's words continued to puzzle him. Nobody goes up there. Up where? The aurora lay in a valley, therefore most of the country around about was up. It was open, too. The ridges were bold and barren, garbed only with shreds and patches of short grass and reindeer moss. We'd pick them up with the glasses. We'd get them before they got down. Manifestly, the cache was in plain sight, if one only knew where to look for it. But Mr. Hyde's sharp eyes took in ten thousand likely hiding places, and he reasoned that it would be worse than folly to go exploring blindly without more definite data than he possessed it was clever of the pair to hide the swag where they could oversee it every hour of the day and they had chosen a safe location too for nobody wasted the effort to explore those domes and hogbacks now that they were known to contain no quartz there was anvil mountain for instance a bold schist peak crowned with a huge rock in the likeness of a blacksmith's anvil it guarded the entrance to the valley rising from the very heart of the best mining section it was the most prominent landmark hereabouts but not a dozen men had ever climbed it and nowadays nobody did as bill pondered the enigma out from his bed in the willows came don antonio de chiquito a meek and lowly burro the only member of the aurora's working force which did not outrank in social importance the man of all work don antonio was the pet of the aurora borealis and its scavenger he ate everything from garbage to rubber boots. He was even suspected of possessing a low appetite for German socks. It was, in fact, this very democratic taste in things edible which caused him to remain the steadiest of Dr. Slayforth's boarders. Wisdom, patience, the sagacity of Solomon lurked in Don Antonio's eyes, and Laughing Bill consulted him as a friend and an equal. Tony, he said, you've done a heap of prospect, and then you know the business there's a rich pocket on one of them hills which one is it don antonio de chiquito had ears like sunbonnets he folded them back lifted his muzzle toward anvil rock and brayed loudly maybe you're right said the man he fitted the chinese yoke to his skinny shoulders and took up his burden the load was heavy the yoke bruised his bones therefore he was moved to complain the idea of me totin' water for the very guys that stole my uncle's money it's awful the darned crooks it was a rainy evening when business next took blackjack berg and denny slevin to town having dined amply if not well they donned slickers saddled a pair of horses and set out down the creek few people were abroad therefore they felt secure from observation when they swung off the trail where it bends around the foot of anvil mountain and bore directly up through the scattered alders the grass was wet the rain erased the marks of their horses feet almost in the passing tethering their mounts in the last clump of underbrush the riders labored on afoot up a shallow draw which scarred the steep slope the murk of twilight obscured them but even in a good light they would have run small risk of discovery for slow-moving human figures would have been lost against the dark background the climb was long and arduous both men were panting when they breasted the last rise and looked down into the valley where lay the aurora borealis this was a desolate spot great boulders fallen from the huge rock overhead lay all about the earth was weathered by winter snows and summer rains ghostly fingers of mist writhed over the peak darkness was not far distant the robbers remained on the crest perhaps 20 minutes then they came striding down they passed within a hundred yards of laughing bill Hyde, who lay flat in the wet grass midway of their descent he watched them mount and ride out of sight then he continued his painful progress up the hillside weak lungs are not suited to heavy grades and slippery footing bill was sobbing with agony when he conquered the last rise and collapsed upon his face he feared he was dying every cough threatened a hemorrhage but when his breath came more easily and he missed the familiar taste of blood in his mouth he rose and tottered about through the fog he could discover no tracks he began to fear the night would foil him when at last luck guided his aimless footsteps to a slide of loose rock banked against a seamy ledge the surface of the bank showed a muddy scar already half obliterated by the rain brief search among the nearby boulders uncovered the hiding place of a pick and shovel for once in his life mr Hyde looked upon these tools with favor and energetically tackled the business end of a number two he considered pick and shovel work the lowest form of human endeavor nevertheless he engaged in it willingly enough and he had not dug deeply before he uncovered the side of a packing case labeled Choice California Canned Fruits. Further rapid explorations showed that the box was fitted with a loose top and that the interior was well-nigh filled with stout canvas and moose-skin bags. Bill counted them. He weighed one, then he sat down weakly and his hard, smoke blue eyes widened with amazement. "Sufferin' cats, he whispered he voiced other expletives too even more forcefully indicative of surprise he was not an imaginative man it did not occur to him to doubt his sanity or to wonder if he were awake nevertheless he opened one of the pokes and incredulously examined its contents i'm damn if it ain't he said finally i should reckon they was ready to quit argentine why jack'll bust the bottom out of a boat if he takes this with him he'll drown a lot of innocent people mr hyde shook his head and smiled pityingly it ain't safe to trust him with it it ain't safe the and devil there's 500 pounds if there's an ounce he began to figure with his finger on the muddy shovel blade a hundred thousand bucks he announced finally them boys is all right slowly reluctantly he replaced the gold sacks reburied the box and placed the tools where he had found them then he set out for home don antonio de chiquito was contentedly munching an empty oat sack doubtless impelled thereto by the lingering flavor of its former contents when on the following morning bill accosted him tony i got a hand to tell you the man said admiringly you're some pocket miner and you speak up like a gent when you're spoken to i got some nice eggshells saved up for you then his voice dropped to a confidential tone we're in a passel of crooks tony evil associates i call them they're bound to have a bad influence over us i feel it already don't you well suppose you meet me tonight at the gap in the hedge and we'll take a walk don antonio appeared in every way agreeable to the proposal but to make certain that he would keep his appointment bill led him down into the creek bottom and tied him securely after which he removed a pack-saddle and a bunch of hay from the stable the saddle he hid in the brush the hay he spread before his accomplice with the generous invitation drink hearty it's on the house in explanation he went on it's this way tony they left the elevator out of that anvil skyscraper and i can't climb stairs on one lung so you got to be my six-cylinder oat motor we got a busy night ahead of us that evening laughing bill ascended anvil mountain for a second time but the exertion did not wind him unduly for he made the ascent at the end of don antonio's tale he was back in camp for breakfast and despite his lack of sleep he performed his menial duties during the day with more than his usual cheerfulness speed up can't you slevin paused midway of the steepest slope and spoke impatiently to his partner below i'm coming blackjack panted being the heavier and clumsier of the two the climb was harder for him you're so spry s'pose you just pack this poke he unslung a heavy leather sack from his belt and gave it to denny we'd ought to got an earlier start the latter complained the days are getting short, and I had a rotten fall going down last time. Relieved of some fifteen pounds of dead, awkward weight, and nothing is more awkward to carry than a sizable gold sack, Berg made better speed, arriving at the cache in time to see Slevin spit on his hands and fall to digging. Every time we open her up, I get a shiver, Denny confessed with a laugh. I'm scared to look. Humph! Think she's going to get up and walk out on us? Berg seated himself, lit his pipe, and puffed in silence for a while. We ain't never been seen, he declared positively. She's as safe as the Bank of England, as long as you don't get drunk. Me? Drunk? Ha! Me and the demon rum is divorced forever. Slevin's shovel struck wood, and he swiftly uncovered the box, then removed its top. He stood for a full minute, staring into its interior. Then he cried, hoarsely jack berg was on his feet in an instant he strode to the excavation and bent over it after a time he straightened himself and turned blazing eyes upon his confederate denny met his gaze with a glare of a man demented what i tell you the latter chattered i told you they'd get to it by god they have he cast an apprehensive glance over his shoulder Far below, the lights of the valley were beginning to twinkle. In the direction of Nome, the cross on the Catholic Church gleamed palely against the steel-gray expanse of Bering Sea. Berg was a man of violent temper. He choked and gasped. His face was bloated with an apoplectic rage. He began to growl curses deep in his throat. Who got it? He demanded. What do you mean by they? Shh. Slevin was panic-stricken. He flung out a nervous jerky hand. Maybe they're here now. Look out What do you mean by they the larger man repeated? I God, I don't know but there must have been more than one 500 pounds one man couldn't pack it you said they Berg persisted in an odd tone slevin's madly roving gaze flew back and settled upon the discolored visage thrust toward him then his own eyes widened he recoiled crying look here you don't think i his words ended in a bark i ain't said what i think but i'm thinking fast nobody knew it but us how do you know i know slowly slevin settled himself his muscles ceased jumping his bullet head drew down between his shoulders well it wasn't me so it must have been you don't stall roared the larger man it won't win you anything you can't leave here till you come through that goes double jack i got my gat too and you ain't gonna run out on me you wanted to quit you weakened you're a liar the men stared fixedly at each other, heads forward, bodies tense. As they glared, the fury of betrayal grew to madness. "'Where'd you put it?' Berg ground the words between his teeth. "'I'm asking you that very thing,' the foreman asked in a thin, menacing voice. Slowly, almost imperceptibly, he widened the distance between himself and his accuser. It was not a retreat— he merely drew himself together, defensively, holding himself under control with the last supreme effort of his will. The tension snapped suddenly. With a harsh, wordless cry of fury, Blackjack tore his six-shooter from its resting place, but Slevin's right hand stirred in unison, and it moved like light. Owing to the fact that he carried his gun beneath his left armpit, he was the first to fire, by the fraction of a second it was impossible to miss at this distance berg went to his knees as if hit by a sledge but he fired from that position and his shot caught slevin as the latter crow hopped nimbly both men were down now slevin however seemed made of rubber he was up again almost instantly and zigzagging toward the shelter of the nearest rocks berg emptied his colt at the running target then a shout burst from his lips as he saw denny pitch forward out of sight with shaking clumsy fingers blackjack reloaded his hot weapon with his left hand pressed deep into his side he rose slowly to his feet and lurched forward you rat he yelled double cross me will you?" he heard the sound of a body moving over loose stones and halted weaving in his tracks and peering into the gloom come out he ordered come out and own up and i'll let you off there was a silence i see you he took unsteady aim at a shadow and fired never mind i'll get you after a little while he stumbled onward between the boulders shouting a challenge to his invisible opponent he had gone maybe fifty feet when the darkness was stabbed by the blaze of slevin's gun three times the weapon spoke at little more than arm's length and Black Jack spun on his heels, then rocked forward limply. It was a long time before the sound of his loud, slow breathing ceased. Not until then did Denny Slevin move. With a rattle in his throat, the foreman crept out from hiding and went down the mountainside upon his hands and knees. It occasioned considerable speculation at the aurora borealis when neither the superintendent nor the foreman appeared for breakfast later a telephone message to dr slayforth having elicited the startling intelligence that neither man had been seen in town during the night there came a flicker of excitement this excitement blazed to white heat when slayforth rode up on a muddy horse accompanied by the town marshal and the chief of police followed more telephoning and some cross-examination but the men were gone they had disappeared it was a mystery baffling any attempt at explanation for there were no ships in the roadstead and hence it was impossible for the pair to have taken french leave while the search party was being organized there came word that the missing saddle horses had been found on the slope of anvil mountain and by the time slaveforth's party had reached the ground more news awaited them up near the head of the draw someone had discovered the body of denny slevin there was a rush thither and thence up on the trail slevin had left to the scene of the twilight duel to black jack bird and the cash in the slide the story told itself down to the last detail it was the story of a thieves quarrel and a double killing dr Slayforth fell upon his bag of gold as a mother falls upon her babe he voiced loud hysterical condemnation of the deed he wept tears of mingled indignation and thanksgiving he gabbled scriptural quotations about the wages of sin then remembering that the wages of his men were going on he sent them back to their work and determined to dock half their morning's pay the story of the tragedy was still the sensation of Nome when a fortnight later Laughing, Bill Hyde showed up in town with the cheerful announcement that he had been fired. Ponita was at the cabin when he arrived, and she did not try to conceal her joy at seeing him again. "'I've been so unhappy,' she told him. "'You've never been out of my thoughts, Billy.' "'Ain't you got nothing better to think about than me?' he asked with a smile. "'Well, the psalm shouter let me out, jerked the pillar slip from under me, you might say, and turned me adrift.' He's got a high-chested, low-browed swede in my place. It takes a guy with hair down to his eyebrows to be a buck chambermaid. The old rascal! Pontotod's face darkened with anger. No wonder those men robbed him. I wish they had taken all his gold and escaped. You're pretty sore on his heavenly nibs, ain't you? Pontotod clenched her hands and her eyes blazed. Well, you got this consolation. The Aurora ain't as rich as it was. It would have been rich enough for us us yes you'd marry me if i were rich wouldn't you no i wouldn't bill declared firmly what's the use to kid you why wouldn't you are you ashamed of me bill protested say what is this you're giving me the third degree if i were as rich as well as reindeer mary wouldn't you marry me Pontotoc gazed at the unworthy object of her affections with a yearning that was embarrassing and laughing bill was forced to spar for wind Ain't you the bold Mary Ann, making cracks like that he chided. I'm ashamed of you honest I've passed up plenty of frills in my time and we're all better off for it My appetite for marriage ain't no keener than it used to be so you forget it little Doc. He's the marrying kind Oh yes he tells me a great deal about his alice he's very much discouraged if if i had the aurora i wouldn't forget him i'd give him half would you now well he's the one stiff necked that wouldn't take it he's funny that way seems to think money'll bite him or something i don't know how these philanthropists get along with proud people always in their gifts he's got my nan you take my tip kid and cling to your coin salt it down for winter that's what I'm doing with mine are you Ponita was not amused she was gravely interested I thought you were broke Billy where'd you get that at he demanded I've always got a pinch of change I have I'm lucky that way now then you run along and don't never try to faint me into a clinch it don't go laughing bill enjoyed a good rest in the days that followed he rested hard for several weeks and when he rested he lifted his hand to absolutely nothing he was an expert idler and with him indolence was but a form of suspended animation in spite of himself however he was troubled by a problem he was completely baffled by it in fact until without warning and without conscious effort the solution presented itself bill startled his cabin mate one day by the announcement that he intended to go prospecting nonsense said thomas when the first shock of surprise had passed this country has been run over and every inch is staked I'll bet I'll horn in somewhere all I want is one claim where I got room to sling myself If that's all you want. I'll give you a claim. It has 20 acres. Is that room enough? Plenty where is it It's on Eclipse Creek. I believe a patient gave it to me for a bill he won't call for a new deal if i strike it rich no i paid his fare out of the country but why waste your valuable time your time is valuable i presume sure i ain't got much left you don't believe in hunches do you well i do i've seen em come out look at dennis levin for instance i heard him say he had a hunch something unpleasant was going to happen to him and it did we'll go fifty fifty on this eclipse creek the doctor shrugged his shoulders suit yourself fresh air won't hurt you The first frosts of autumn had arrived before laughing bill returned to town with the announcement that he had struck a prospect Dr.. Thomas was at first incredulous then amazed Finally when the true significance of those tiny yellow grains came home to him his enthusiasm burst all bounds He was for at once closing his office and joining actively in his partner's work but bill would not hear of such a thing stick to the pills and powders doc he counseled you know that game and i know this it's my strike and i don't want no a button in i got options on the whole creek she's eclipsed for fair cause i don't like neighbors you shut your trap till spring and sit tight then we'll roll our packs stomp on fire and call the dog old home week for us but, Billy, we can't work out that claim in one winter, protested the physician. How do you know we can? Maybe it's just a pocket. We'll find other pockets. We have the whole creek. Say, how much do you need to satisfy you? Bill inquired curiously. I don't know. A hundred thousand dollars, perhaps? A hundred thousand? Phew, you got rich tastes. This ain't no bonanza. But if it's any good at all, it will net us that much, probably more bill considered briefly then he announced all right boo i got your idea when i hand you a hundred thousand iron men we quit no questions no regrets is that it but you've hiked the limit on me i dunno i'll make good by the time snow fled the tent on eclipse creek had been replaced by a couple of warm shacks provisions had been bought and a crew hired work commenced immediately and it continued throughout the winter with bill in charge the gravel was lean-looking stuff, but it seemed to satisfy the manager, and whenever Thomas came out from town, he received encouraging reports from his partner. Hyde ceased playing solitaire long enough to pan samples in his tub of snow water. Now, had the younger man been an experienced placer miner, he might have noted with suspicion that whenever Bill panned, he chewed tobacco, a new habit he had acquired, and not infrequently he spat into the tub of muddy water but thomas was not experienced in the wiles and artifices of mine salters and the residue of yellow particles left in the pan was proof positive that the claim was making good it did strike him as strange however that when he selected a pan of dirt and washed it unassisted he found nothing at such times bill explained glibly enough that no pay dump carried steady values and that an inexperienced sampler was apt to get skunked under the best of circumstances concentrates lay in streaks and pockets he declared then to prove his assertions bill would help his partner pan and inasmuch as he wore long fingernails underneath which colors of gold could be easily concealed it was not surprising that he succeeded in finding a prospect where the doctor had failed for fear thomas should still entertain some lingering doubts Bill occasionally sent him down into the shaft alone, to sample the pay streak, but in each instance he took pains to go down beforehand with a shotgun and some shells of his own loading and to shoot a few rounds into the face of the thawed ground. The winter passed quickly enough, Bill's only concern arising from the fact that his strike had become common knowledge, and that men were clamoring to buy or to lease a part of the creek. It was a tiny creek and he had it safely tied up under his options therefore he was in a position to refuse every offer by so doing he gained the reputation of being a cautious cagey man and difficult to deal with bill paid off his crew out of the first spring cleanup from the dust he had managed to dump into the sluices at night thereafter he sent the gold to town by dr. Thomas who came after it regularly when he closed down the works in June he and his partner held bank deposit slips for a trifle over 100,000 dollars rumor placed their profits at much more bill saw little of ponita after his return to nome for the girl avoided him and when he did see her she assumed a peculiar reserve her year and a half of intimate association with cultured people had in reality worked an amazing improvement in her and people no longer regarded her as an indian but referred to her now as that Russian governess. Nevertheless, she could retreat behind a baffling air of stolidity, almost of sullenness, when she chose, and that was precisely the mask she wore for Bill. In reality, she was far from stolid and anything but sullen. For his part, he made no effort to break down the girl's guard. He continued to treat her with his customary free good nature notwithstanding the liberal margin of profit on his winter's operations bill realized that he was still shy approximately half of the sum which dr thomas had set as satisfactory and when the latter began planning to resume work on a larger scale in the fall mr hyde was stricken with panic fearing lest his own lack of enthusiasm in these plans and his indifference to all affairs even remotely concerning eclipse creek should awaken suspicion he determined to sell out his own and his partner's interests in accordance with their original understanding without consulting thomas he called upon dr slayforth the pious mine owner was glad to see him his manner was not at all what it had been when bill worked for him his words of greeting fairly trickled prune juice and honey say doc i got a load on my chest i'm a strayed lamb and you being a sort of shepherd i turns to you bill began i trust you have not come in vain the ex-missionary beamed benignly it has been my duty and my privilege to comfort the afflicted what troubles you william there's a school of sharks in this village and i don't trust them they're too slick for a feller like me it is an ungodly place the doctor agreed i have felt the call to work here but my duties prevent of course i labor in the lord's vineyard as i pass through but i am weak me too and gettin weaker daily bill summoned a hollow cough listen to that hospital bark i gotta blow this place doc or they'll button me up in a rosewood overcoat i gotta sell eclipse creek and beat it again he coughed i am distressed but why do you come here i aim to sell out to you what is your price william hundred and fifty thousand cash slayforth lifted protesting palms my dear man that's cheaper than good advice and you know it i took out most that much last winter with a squeegin gang of six here's the banks okay but i ain't got use for a lot of money doc i wouldn't know how to run a vineyard like you do all i want is a nice little corner saloon or a cattle ranch it is a large sum of money, you ask. There is always an element of uncertainty about placer mining. Dr. Slayforth failed to conceal the gleam of avarice in his eyes. Doc, take it from me. There ain't a particle of uncertainty about Eclipse Creek, Bill earnestly assured his hearer. If I told you what's there, you wouldn't believe me. But Thomas, he's got a gal and I got a cough. They both need attention, and he's the only guy that can give it. We're willing to hand you Eclipse Creek, if you'll take it. There was considerable conversation and the visit to Eclipse Creek, but the doctor, it proved, was willing to take any good bargain, and a few days later the transfer was made. When the larger part of Slayforth's winter's cleanup had changed hands, the two partners adjourned to Thomas's little office. Well, the physician heaved a deep sigh of relief. It's all over, and I feel as if I were dreaming. The oregon sails tomorrow it's time to stomp on the fire i i wonder if we were wise to sell out at that price the doctor mused doubtfully you lay a bet on it boo something tells me that soul saver will go bust on eclipse creek i got a hunch that way mr hyde's seamy face wrinkled into a broad grin well i've more faith in your hunches than i used to have you've been a good friend bill and a square one the speaker choked then wrung his partner's hand i've cabled alice to meet us i want you to know her and i want her to see that i cured you after all i'd admire to meet her but my taste is all is run more to brunettes said mr hyde then since he abhorred emotional display he continued briskly now call the dog i'm off to buy our ducats laughing bill purchased three tickets instead of two then he went in search of Pontital it so chanced that he found her alone now neither he nor any other man had ever called upon her therefore she was dumbfounded at his coming well kid he announced me and the dock of sold eclipse creek and we bow out tomorrow on the big smoke panetta opened her lips but no sound issued she possessed a strong young body but the strength the life seemed suddenly to go out of it leaving her old and spiritless got a kind word for us the man inquired with a twinkle I'm glad you struck it rich she murmured dully you'll you'll take care of yourself Billy who me I don't suppose so I don't know how to take care of nothin." there was a moment of silence like me he asked Ponita turned away blindly but as she did so laughing bill put his hand gently upon her shoulder saying cheer up kid you're going to join the troop. I've come to get you. There was amazement incredulity in the girl's face as she lifted it to his. What do you mean? She quavered. Are you going to marry me? You guessed it, he laughed. I've been aiming to put up that job on you for a long time, but I had a lot of deals on my hands. I was a sort of power of attorney for a couple of simps, and it kept me busy if you think the two of us can do with three lungs why we'll grab a psalm shouter and billy billy pontotog clung to him fiercely hungrily oh billy i'll make you well we'll go to arizona colorado montana where it is high and dry i've been to them places he told her dubiously and i most stopped breathing altogether. new mexico then you won't be ashamed of me there Say, kid, I wouldn't be ashamed of a hair lip and warts in New Mexico, but you got me wrong. I'm plumb proud of you, and just to prove it, I aim to make you carry our bankroll in your name. That's how she stands at the bank, and that's how she's going to stand. From time to time, you can give me a check for what you think I'm worth. Now then, do with me as you will. Grab your lid. We'll join hands and be soldered up. Laughing Bill stared after the girl as she hurried away. Musingly, he said, the little dot got in on no pair, for it was all her coin, of course. But she'd a had to split fifty-fifty with a lawyer, so it ain't a bad deal all round. End of Laughing Bill Hyde by Rex Beach.